this in mind, now we begin to understand verses of Quran differently. For example, in, uh, in Surah Al-Talaq, which is chapter 65 of the Quran, verse 2, a part of verse 2 and verse 3, there are some beautiful words in which Allah says, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا And whoever becomes God-conscious, يَتَّقِ whoever acquires taqwa, I'm translating taqwa as God-consciousness. Whoever becomes God-conscious, He will find a way out for him. And he will sustain him from a source he never imagined. And whoever places his trust in God, then God will suffice for him. Allah will ensure that his command will come to pass, for he has set a decree to all matters. Now, Allah is not in need of our consciousness. Allah does not need us to become muttaqi. Why would he discriminate? Why would Allah not find a makhraja, a way out for the one who doesn't have taqwa? He is still the Lord of all creation. Supposing there was someone who had no taqwa, who was a wretched person, who committed all kinds of sins, fasiq, fajir. Why wouldn't Allah help him? What we begin to understand is that it is not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is discriminating and saying, I will help the good, I will not help the evil. What he is saying is there is an emanation from my side. Every blessing that comes from me is coming to you in equal portions. The problem, however, is that these blessings that come to you are coming to you in the form of my names and my attributes. And you must surrender to me and acknowledge me in order for you to receive this. When you are egoically driven, when your self-will stands in the way, what you are doing essentially is you are blocking, you are veiling yourselves with levels of heedlessness and there is less awareness and therefore you're not able to tap into this, you're not able to draw from these blessings that I'm sending to you. So, that is waiting for everyone. What we need to do is unblock and put that ego aside. As soon as we do that and we become God conscious, that is what taqwa is. God conscious is now, there is less awareness of the I, there is more awareness of He, because He is the only reality. The moment I become more God conscious, these blessings begin flowing towards me. A simple example by which we might understand this is as follows. Supposing I was standing at the top of a hill or a mountain and I took a source that is, I took a hose, for example, that was connected to a source of water or I took a bucket of water and I begin to spill it down the mountain. Can you predict what path that water will take? Yes. What path will the water take? It will take the path of least resistance. Allah's blessings come to his creation through the path of least resistance. Wherever there is self-will, wherever Allah says, I want this, but the ego says, I want that, it blocks that blessing. So the blessing moves around and looks for another source that it can channel itself through. Because it's an emanation, it is a tajalli, it is a manifestation. Wherever there is a rise of God consciousness, 
and the ego takes a back seat and there is greater surrender, there the blessing comes more freely. And that is why people who are of a higher spiritual awareness, people who are saints, people who are Anbiya and Aimma they have the power to tap into greater names and attributes of Allah. They have the power to tap into the Ismul Adam because there is less I there, there is more God consciousness. So it flows more freely, whereas it trickles to us, it floods their being entirely. Let us take another verse of Quran. We begin to see that on this hierarchy, wherever there is more God consciousness, it flows more uh, um, freely. Inna akramakum indallahi atqaqum. Very popular verse. The most honorable amongst you before God is the most God conscious. Atqaqum, same from taqwa. Is there a discrimination here again where Allah says, all of you stand in a line? Those of you who think about me more and those of you who worship me more, you are more honorable in my eyes. It doesn't matter to Allah whether you worship him, you don't worship him. It doesn't increase his esteem that you should be given more nobility and more honor because you are more God conscious. No. Inna akramakum indallahi atkakum, the most honorable amongst you are, is the most God conscious because the one who is more God conscious is aware of higher reality. In our examples of ascent and descent, he has ascended higher. And merely by ascending higher to greater consciousness, he is closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever is closer to Allah then is naturally more honorable in that plane of existence. And it is for this reason that we see that even when we rank people, we rank them on the basis of how much ma'rifah they have. We don't rank them on how much they pray or how much they fast, isn't it? We accord more respect to an alim, for example, than we accord respect to an abid who perhaps prays all day and fasts all day. And in hadith as well, we are told that two rakats of an alim has more value than 70 rakats of an abid, of somebody who just worships Allah without knowing Allah. And someone asked Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq salawatullahi wa salamu He said, Ya ibn Rasulillah, why is it that I pray to Allah but he doesn't answer me? We keep praying to him, he doesn't answer. He said, because you do not know who you are calling out to. Now, this is not the only reason why prayers may not be answered. It's a lengthy discussion and by no means I'm saying it's the only reason. But this is one of the reasons. You are calling out, but what is your understanding of God? Is he somebody physical sitting up on a throne? Is he something uh, imaginary floating around, covering all the cells and all the atoms in the world? What is Allah to you? You're calling out, but who are you calling out to? Allah is not the name Allah. That's just a label. Because the same Imam says, Whoever worships the name Allah commits kufr. Whoever worships the name Allah and the meaning behind it commits shirk because he worships two things. But the real muwahid is the one who worships the meaning behind the name Allah. Otherwise it is a label. So we begin to see that our measure as well of who is higher in rank is based on ma'rifah. That this is our greatest uh, uh, ambition and this is our prized possession that we when we compete with each other as well for you know, greater proximity to God, we need to compete on the basis of our greater understanding of Allah because He is real. Whoever has greater consciousness of reality naturally has a higher rank than one who is 
heedless of that reality. And it is for this reason that I find, you know, when people ask me this question, how can I increase my concentration in Salat? It's a bit of an oxymoron because you may have seen there are a lot of different tips people give you, right? Do this and do that. And I myself get asked and I suggest different things. But really, the reason I say it's an oxymoron is because how do I concentrate more in Salat? The moment there is more of I, there is less God consciousness. In order for there to be more concentration in Salat, there has to be less of I. So how do I concentrate in Salat? And that is why you find as soon as we say Allahu Akbar, we are gone. Because we are now with I, we are no longer with God consciousness. And it is really Allah's mercy that He accepts our prayers. Because when we pray, we said our intention for everything is Qurbatan ilallah. And Qurbatan ilallah, coming close to Allah, does not mean in the physical sense. It means greater awareness and greater consciousness. So I'm praying Salat and I say I am praying in order to be more conscious of God. But the moment I do Takbir, I'm no longer conscious of Him. Now I'm bowing, I'm prostrating, but my niya has been negated. It has been forfeited. And therefore, greater concentration in Salat also requires less egoic presence and more God consciousness. And this therefore explains to us very well that when Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi wa salamu when he had an arrow, a piece of an arrow in one of his foot and the doctors could not remove it because every time they did it caused immense pain to him. What did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam suggest? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. He said, remove it when Ali is in Salat. Because when Ali says, Allahu Akbar, there is no Ali left there. He is praying, but you can do anything. Even his enemies knew that the only way to assassinate Ali is when he is in Salat. Because when he is praying, there is no Ali. There is only complete consciousness of God. We take another verse of Quran to further give you this example that God's blessings as his names and, and, and attributes manifest freely to all and how much we take from it depends on how much we surrender to him. In chapter 7 of the Quran verse 96 he says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْ لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِنَ, من السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Oh our Prophet, if the people of the towns were to bring faith and become God conscious, then we would open for them the blessings of the heavens and the earth. And the same verse repeats again elsewhere in the Quran for the people of the book. That if the people of the book were to have faith and become God conscious, we would open up the blessings of the heavens and the earth for them. It is again not a case that Allah is withholding His barakat and saying, you know, I'm not going to give it to you unless you're good. What he's saying is, I have opened it, become God consciousness and you will find it pouring down to you. What we begin to understand from this is then that the entire universe and the entire creation as a manifestation of God's names and attributes is dancing or vibrating at a certain rhythm. And man has been given free will. He sometimes is misaligned to the rest of the universe. And that is why we are told that when you surrender yourself to God and when you rise to your true purpose in life, 
then the universe conspires in your favor to help you accomplish your purpose in life. Why? Because everyone has a purpose in life. If you want to know what is my purpose in life, the first step is to surrender to Allah and let Him be in the driver's seat. And your purpose will emerge itself and everything will fall in place. The right people will come into your lives. Just what you need, when you need, will emerge into your life. And you will find yourself being able to accomplish what your purpose is in leaps and bounds. So everything is moving in submission to Allah at a particular rhythm. What we need to do is to realize that if God is the only reality and I can surrender to that without feeling threatened by losing my own identity, then everything again falls in place. And now I have the same joy and the same happiness as the rest of creation in doing the Tasbih and Tamheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.